you have your Bibles tonight, you can open them to to 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1. As I said, I, I trashed my message, um, and I just want to read this scripture, and we're just going to look at it and talk about it. And um, so uh, let's actually back up to verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which we have been given exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. For if, and there's an if, if you write in your Bible, circle that word if. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, he's talking to believers here. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I was talking to my mother-in-law yesterday. I, I said, Nana, what are you studying in the word of God? And she said, oh, Rhea, I'm studying about the, the coming of the Lord. I said, Nana, do you think he's coming soon? She said, I absolutely do. And I said, tell me why. And she said, the Bible talks about birth pains. I said, Rhea, do you remember being in labor and how the birth pains started? And you didn't know how long after the birth pains started that that baby would be delivered. But, but you knew it started. She said, birth pains have started. And she said, I don't know when he's coming, but he's coming. And the birth pains have started. Peter is talking to us here about being diligent in our faith. And that's what I'd like to talk to you about tonight. Please bear with me. I, I just really want to talk to you. I just want to just look at this scripture and take it apart word by word. And Lord uh, would have to say to us tonight, would you pray with me first? Father, I'm mindful. I love my notes. I really want them to be at this count on this podium with me tonight, but Lord, I thank you that I have all the notes you want me to have. I thank you that your Holy Spirit's going to take over and that you're going your, to wing your word into the hearts and the minds of these people and into my heart and mind. I, 
I'm asking for clarity. I'm asking for effectiveness. I'm, I'm asking, Lord God, that you just give us a spirit of wisdom and of revelation. You're the one who says we don't need a teacher. The Holy Spirit will teach. I'm depending on that, Lord. Guide and direct us into all truth, I pray in Jesus' name. Verse 3 starts out by saying, His divine power has given to us all things. I, I don't want to go any further than that. I, I have a, a PowerPoint that I threw together at the last minute that whoever's back there has to just stay with me here. But um, his divine power, I want you to notice it's his. It's his power that's at work in our life. You've heard me say a million times that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is living within us. When you came to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit came to live within you. His divine power is in you. That word power is dunamis. It's where we get our word dynamic or dynamite. If I threw a, a stick of dynamite into this building tonight, it would affect it, would it not? There would be power that achieves something. <laughs> there would be a, 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 a inherent power in that stick of dynamite. And that's the word that's used here. It, it's power, God's power at work in us. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Uh, that word has given, it means to give freely. And it emphasizes the generosity of the giver. He gives it freely. He, he doesn't say, you need to get your act together and maybe I'll think about giving you power. No, he gives power and he gives it freely. It's in the perfect tense and I love that. Uh, it, it, the perfect tense describes an action that's completed in the past and produces results that are still in effect in the present. So his divine power was, uh, was, it, it, it was deposited in you in the past. <laughs> but it's still having effect in the present as you live and, and walk out this Christian life. His divine power has given us, us believers, all things that pertain to life and godliness. Does, does it give some things? you write in your Bible, underline the word all. It means pos in the, the original language. It means everything without exception. He has given you everything without exception that you need for life and godliness. You say, Rhea, I don't have life. If you knew the circumstances I was living in, in my home, in my marriage, in my job, in my whatever, and it's draining me of life. I, I, I understand. Can I tell you, it's been the week I've had. But his divine power has given you everything that you need for life and godliness. Everything without exception. It doesn't mean that your circumstances get to drain you of that. Because his divine power lives within you. Whether you take him up on that or not is up to you. But here's the reality it lives within you. And everything, without exception, is in you that you need to have life. And that word life is zoe. It, it means uh, the uh, life with all the vitality there is to have. 
It means excessive life. It means abundant life. It means life that isn't dependent on your circumstances. It means your circumstances can be unfavorable, but the life of God is still in you. Zoe, the life that God gives. Full vitality means a blessed life. It means a life that satisfies because you're being indwelt by God, but it's not necessarily favored by circumstances. That means to me, I'm just telling you, that his divine power has given you, make it personal, everything. Not some things, you don't have the exception. It has given you everything that you need for life, for fullness of life. I don't care how rotten your spouse is. I don't care how many friends have turned against you. I don't care who's betrayed you, who has done you dirty. I don't care how bad your job is or how difficult your life is. His divine power has given you everything that you need for life and godliness. It's interesting uh, that, that the word, some of your, your, your translations will say everything that pertains to life and godliness. That word pertains is very interesting. It means to pertain unto. It's a preposition of direction. This is why if you're not in Friday morning Bible study with us, you should be. You, you would love the things that, that we learned there. And, and, and you would learn this, that that word unto is a preposition of direction. It means that it denotes the direction towards a thing. He has given me everything that pertains to life. Everything he is, his divine power in me directs me in the direction of life. It conveys the picture that God has given us everything we need to continually move in the direction of life and godliness. That word godliness means godly living. It means devotion to God, which results in living a life that's pleasing to him. You say, Rhea, you don't know what I'm living with. You don't know how hard my life is. I, I don't. But here's what I know. The word of God is true. And if the word of God is true, it says that his divine power has already given you, it's in you, everything that you need for life and godliness. He's given you everything you need to live a life that's pleasing to him. That means I want to tell you a thing or two. I'm going to tell you off. I'm going to do something naughty. I'm going to go out and be naughty. I, I, you don't have to because his divine power that lives within you has given you everything you need to live a godly, pleasing life to God and to live life. It's up to you whether you tap into it or not. That's your choice, but it's in you. Go back to your, your Bibles again if you have them. His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. How? Through the knowledge of him. So his divine power has given me all things that I need for life and godliness, but it comes what? Through the power, through the knowledge of him. So if I don't have knowledge of him, I'm not going to be able to tap into that divine power. That means if you don't know what's available to you, 
That power is going to still be residing in you, but you are never going to tap into it because you don't even know it's there. You don't even know it's there. It's in you. It's available to you, but you're tapping into a bottle. You're tapping into a drug. You're tapping into sex, sexual life that you think brings fulfillment. You're tapping into shopping. You're tapping into to eating. You're tapping into whatever it is you think brings you life, but it just brings you death because his divine power lives within you to bring you life and godliness. But if you don't know it, you're not going to tap into it. It comes through the knowledge of him. That's the channel. That's the instrument by which it happens, knowledge of him. That word knowledge is interesting. It's not just head knowledge or book knowledge. It's knowledge gained by experience. It implies an intimate, personal relationship with him. It's not an intellectual knowledge. It's an understanding of the truth through heart submission. In other words, if, if I am not applying what I know about him to my life, I don't really know it. I don't really know it. And, uh, it, you know, what, what's interesting is that abundant life and godliness are marked and unlocked and experienced through gaining knowledge of him. Brent Osborne says, our growth in faith comes as we exercise our minds in deepening our understanding of his attributes, wonders, and ways. It's through knowing God that we understand the divine power that's available to us and we move in the direction of life and godliness. He gives the power. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness, but it's through the knowledge of him. He gives the power, but dear ones, we have the responsibility too. We have to get to know him and the power of his promises and then apply that knowledge to our life. And it's in that that we have life and 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 begin to cultivate godliness. Everything we need. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him. It happens as I get to know him. The word that's used for knowledge here means a knowledge that controls and directs one's behavior. I, I don't know, uh, Lynn, if it's back there, or Don, whoever's back there. Uh, uh, John 14, 21. I, I wanted to, I did get it. Look at this. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. See, you, you say you love Jesus. This is him speaking. And he says, if you love me, this is how I know you love me. You keep my commandments. So he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father, and I will love him, and here's my favorite. And I will disclose myself to him. Some of the, your translations will say, and I'll manifest myself to him. Anybody besides me want him to manifest Anybody besides me want him to disclose, to uncover, to show me himself. I, I'm tired of a far off, distant God. I, I'm tired of a, a, a God that people preach about in the pulpit but have never experienced because they, they've never, they've never uh, pursued him and gained the knowledge of him, so he discloses himself to them. 
Look at that scripture. The has and the keeps are both present tense. It, it means it's a lifestyle of, of having his commandments and keeping them. It's a lifestyle of, of reading and obeying his word. He said, those are the ones I'll disclose myself to. You, you say, Rhea, I don't like this. I, I don't like this, this kind of teaching because it feels like a works mentality. I don't like works mentality. I'm saved by grace. Yes, you are. Absolutely are. But notice that this passage goes on to say, make every effort to add to your faith these these uh, characteristics, these qualities, make every effort. It means to strive. It means to be diligent about. And he's saying, you have to put forth an effort here. You see, when we start talking about works mentality and legalism, they're usually the immature Christians that are doing that. Those are the people barking up that tree, people who don't know the word of God, people who don't study to show themselves approve, a workman who's not ashamed who correctly handles the word of God. Because, you know, striving and effort has that, when, when you're talking about salvation, that means it's a works mentality and you throw it out the window because we are saved by grace through faith and not by works so that no man can boast. That's how you get saved. That's faith. When you believe in God, you put your faith in God, that is not an effort. That is a gift of God through grace. But now, make sure you add to your faith. Make every effort to add to your faith. We're going to add some things to our faith now. Now we're talking about sanctification. Still a work of the, uh, of the Spirit, still a work of grace, but we make the effort. We put the effort back. I understand we don't like to talk about effort when it talks about salvation. Because it's not about effort, the gift of grace. But we are not talking about salvation in this passage. He's talking to us, to believers, and he's saying, add to your faith, to your belief, now you do it and make every effort, he's going to tell us. So now look at, go back to the scripture. His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue by which we have been by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that work that by which modifies knowledge so we are we are uh, his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his glory and virtue, by which we have been, have been given exceedingly great and precious promises. You see, it's a marker of instrumentality whereby something is accomplished. We, through knowledge, have been given precious and great promises. Do you understand? This book is full of the promises of God. We have to settle this. This is an elementary thing that we have got to learn to settle, that this book is yea and amen to those who believe. This is God's word. He is truth. There is no darkness in him. He is absolutely truth. He is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. He, he speaks and he means it. He means every word in this Bible. We have got to get to a place where we believe this more than we believe what we can see with our eyes and experience in our, in our, in our life. 
in our day-to-day -day living. We have to get to a point where we are not moved by situations. We are moved only by the word of God because this is the only truth there is. And he has given us exceedingly precious promises in this word. And his promises are true. If he makes a promise, he means it. If I, the promise is only as good as the one making it. I, I could write Leslie a check tonight for $500,000 out of my bank account. I could say to Leslie Hook, pay the order of Leslie Hook, $500,000. I could fill it in on my check. I could sign my name to it. <laughs> and a check is a promise. I could write her a check and say, here's my promise, $500,000. But that check doesn't do her much good till she goes to Waukesha State Bank and presents it to be cashed. Tellers know me there, and they would chuckle and say, I don't even need to look at her bank account. I know it's not in there. She's not good for that amount of money. Not even close. See, the promise is only as good as the account to back it up. God's promises are good. He's a promise keeper and he's good for it. And that his divine power has given us everything we need for life and, and godliness through the knowledge of him by which we have been given exceedingly great and precious promises. As our knowledge about him increases, we go to the word of God to get knowledge about him, and then we realize, oh my goodness, there are, there are great and precious promises in here that have been given to me. They've been given to me. And, and now he says that through these, through these great and precious promises, I can become a partaker of the divine nature. Oh my goodness, are you kidding me? That's all available to me? He says that through these promises, we may be partakers of the divine nature. It means in order that by them, it, it marks the aim and the purposes of the promises. They're so that I can become a partaker of the divine nature, that word be or become, it means to come into existence. And it's in the middle voice, Friday morning people, it's in the middle voice, it means the subject initiates the action, that's you and me, and, and then benefits from the effect of it. So I am going to initiate the action of believing and studying and learning his great and precious promises, and then guess what? I get to be the benefit. I get to benefit from them. But I have to be the one to initiate it. I have to be the one to take this word of God and say, oh, there's a promise and it's for me. And I'm going to stand on that thing and I'm not going to move and I'm going to believe God over my circumstances. And now I initiated it and I'm going to benefit from it. Because he's a promise keeper. He's not a man that he should lie nor the son of man that he should repent. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him, because we've got to get to know him, to know about his divine power and to know his precious and great promises so that I can become a partaker in the divine nature. Oh, that's so good. That word partaker means a partner, a, command, a, a companion, an associate, 
a comrade. It means a sharer in anything. It means that I can share in his divine nature. See, this is what we want. Leslie, we want this, don't we? We want to lay hands on the sick and have them recover. We want to speak, be healed, and know that they're healed. We want to speak, demon, come out, and see it come out. We all want that, don't we? His divine power has given you everything you need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him <laughs> so that you can know his great and precious promises in order that you can share in his divine nature. We walk in power and authority when we understand his divine power that's been given to us, that we gain knowledge of him and we begin to stand on his precious and great promises. Do you see it? Yeah, do you see how it works? And then he says, that you may be partakers in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Can I tell you, the world is corrupt. It is corrupt. And we as believers need to escape that corruption because the corruption comes through what? Lust. That word lust, you know it means desire, craving, longing, desire for what has been forbidden. I wonder if anybody here tonight, you know, you say you're a Christian, you want to be a Christian, you want to know you're going to heaven, but I just wonder if you really have a lust and a craving and a desire for what is forbidden by God. Don't tell me that you want to partake in his divine nature, walk in power and authority, <laughs> tap into to the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Meanwhile, you are participating in the corruption of this world by chasing after your own evil desires and longing for what's forbidden in God's eyes. Peter says you escaped that already. James, uh, Lynn, do we have it? James 1, 13 through 15 says, but each one is tempted when he's carried away. You say, well, Rhea, the enemy tempts me. No, 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 no. You're carried away by your own lust, by your own evil desires, by your own desire to do what is forbidden by God and saying, you know what, he'll forgive me. He's a loving, forgiving father. Yes, he is. But each one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust that when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is accomplished, it brings forth what? Death. Is there any wonder we're miserable? Is there any wonder that our life is miserable? Because we know that God says, this is forbidden, but I want it anyway. We know that God says, you know, don't lust after the things of this world. It just brings death, but we do it anyway. Is there any wonder? You say, well, this just sounds like a lot of work. You know, when I go to the doctor, he diagnoses me. He examines me. He diagnoses me. Let's say I needed surgery. He would do the surgery on me. I would just submit to all of that. And then after the surgery was over, he would write some discharge instructions, and he would give me a, a prescription and say, take this for, for pain. And, and you do this and follow these instructions. Now, the, the doctor's part was examining, diagnosing, doing the surgery. I'm just submitting. 
The doctor's part was even in writing the instructions and giving me the prescription. But now I have to cooperate with him, and I have to take the prescription and follow the instructions. That's what this passage is all about. It's still his power working in you. It's still God doing all the work. It's just us cooperating now with him. When I go to the doctor, I don't do anything but surrender and submit to him. And that's the same picture that Peter's drawing here. But now he changes and he says, you've escaped that corruption that is in the world through lust, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, and that word giving all, it, it means some of your Bibles will say, make every effort. It's in the active voice. It means it's a choice of the will. You don't have to do this. You can be saved. You can be going to heaven. You can have the guarantee that you're going to spend eternal life with Jesus. And you can spend the rest of your life here on earth just deciding you're not going to do this. And you rock on with your bad self. It's perfectly okay. But I want to be a partaker in the divine nature. He says, for this very reason, add to your faith. Add to your life the qualities of Christ-likeness. Again, it's not about adding to salvation here. We're not working for salvation. That's already achieved. Now we're adding to our faith these things. He says, add to your faith virtue. That word virtue means goodness in action. Oh, goodness in action. What if just we stopped there and went home tonight? And our challenge for the week was to just add to your faith goodness and action everywhere you went. It means behavior showing high moral standards. It means purity. It means any excellence of a person. Add to your faith virtue. And then he says, add to virtue knowledge. And that word knowledge is, uh, is what, we, what we studied before. It means uh, understanding, it means intelligence, it means moral wisdom as is seen in right living. And he says, add to your knowledge self-control, one of my favorite words. It means the virtue of one who masters his desires and passions. It's following knowledge for a purpose, I believe, because it suggests that, that what is learned needs to be applied and put into practice in your own life. And Self-control is power over one's desires and appetites. It means to get a grip on yourself. It, it means to hold yourself together, to have dominion over your flesh. That means if I want to go out and party till I'm blue in the face, and I did, that was my life. I don't stand up here and preach it because I'm holier than thou. I live there, and I'm trying to snatch people from the same fire that I almost burned up in. And I'm telling you, we have to learn dominion over our own desires, mastery over the stuff that tries to bring us down, because you have an enemy of your soul. Don't get as old as I am before you finally start to realize it. You have a choice what you master. My daughter called me this week. She said, Mama, I just want to tell you, uh, you know, I said, how are you doing, girl, girlfriend? Well, you know, how, how are you really doing? And she said, well, I said to a friend of mine the other day, I could very easily go to bed and really get depressed and down on myself. And she said, but I, I know that I have a choice here, Mom. I don't have to choose that. 
I have mastery. I have dominion. I can say no to that thing and not let it rule over me. She is 22 years old. I'm a grown woman. And I don't have that kind of spiritual maturity. We have to learn and add to our faith self-control, mastery, dominion. Hold ourselves together. Get a grip on ourselves. The self-control, he says, perseverance. That word perseverance means steadfastness, endurance. It's a characteristic, get this, of a man who has not swerved from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to the faith, even by the greatest suffering. I love that. See, suffering sometimes can make me swerve. Suffering sometimes can make me not steadfast. Suffering sometimes can make me question God and his goodness. He's saying, add this to your faith, that you won't be swerved by that kind of stuff anymore, that you're going to get mastery over it. He says, add to your self-controlled perseverance to perseverance godliness. Again, the attitude that seeks to do that which is well-pleasing to God. It's so interesting. That word godliness means worship well. You don't think that's as great as I did. I really was like, that was a headbanger for me. Worship well. Godliness means worship well. When I live a life that's pleasing to God. See, we sing worship songs. We say, I just worshiped. Oh. Live a life that's pleasing. Worship he's pleased with. Add to your perseverance, godliness. Godliness is an awareness of God in every aspect of life. I, I love, I think it was Bill Johnson that said, if, I, if you had a dove on your shoulder and you didn't want him to fly away, what would you do? would do everything with that dove in mind. You didn't want him to fly away. Godliness is doing everything with God in mind. He says, godliness is an awareness of God in every aspect of life. He says, add to your, to your godliness brotherly kindness. This bothered me that it was so far down the list. Brotherly kindness. It means the love that believers possess for one another. It's practical caring for others. It's warm affection. Here's what I really love. It's the love of belonging. Love of belonging. Tell me why you think Peter put that so far down the list. That I, I have to master myself, I have to do all this other stuff, and then brotherly kindness comes so far behind everything else. Practical caring for another person just being kind and warm and affectionate to another person comes that far down the add to your faith list. And did that bother me? What, what was the, it's the love of belonging. It's the love of belonging. Mari, you belong. My life, I, I live my life that people know they belong. They, they're safe with me. 
They, they belong here. I, I, I hope I don't scare people off. I hope I don't give them the cold shoulder. What is up with that garbage? Give people the cold shoulder? Snub people off? What is up with that? We are Christians. We are called to manifest the presence of God. Oh, I'm better than you. Really? We're called to be warm and affectionate. To let people know they belong. You are welcome here. Welcome to my life. I am not too busy for the likes of you. You're not intruding in my life. If you're in my life, I said this to Mari a couple of weeks ago. I said, girlfriend, if you are in my life, it's for a purpose. God is something he wants me to sow into you. I take that stuff seriously. It's just brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness doesn't gossip about people. Brotherly kindness doesn't rip people apart behind their back. Brotherly kindness isn't critical and judgmental. Brotherly kindness doesn't judge somebody and say, I don't like them. I don't think I like them. Mari, I don't think I like them. I feel so insecure. You gave that person more attention than you gave me. Come on, this crazy garbage. So, that's so crazy. Everything you need for life and godliness is in you. His divine power has given it to you. Tap into that. If you need me to acknowledge you, to make you feel valued and worth something, you've got the wrong source. You've got the divine power of God living in you. You say if you walk in a room and they ignored you, we're going to talk about this. I think we're going to talk about this next week, a spirit of rejection. If, if, I, if you walk in a room and you don't feel like anybody's noticed you and you're like, nobody likes me, I'm not going back there ever again because nobody likes me and they don't pay attention to me and they didn't say hi to me this time. And I'm going to give them the cold shoulder and I'm going to be passive aggressive because I'm going to prove to them that they didn't acknowledge me. That's the spirit of rejection at work in your life. That's the spirit of rejection. And you are agreeing with the enemy instead of are accepted and the beloved and dearly loved by him. Come on. And he says, and to your brotherly kindness, love. And it's agape. Now, we've preached about agape a zillion, trillion times and we're short on time. You know agape is God's love. It is self-sacrificial, looking for nothing in return kind of love. It's, it's a love that's not based on emotion. And it's not even based on feeling. It means I get on every last nerve I have. And I'm dependent on you being enough. It is, I'm not looking for anything in return from you. I am just here to love and to love well. And, and it's not based on emotion. So I don't have to feel it. I can will it. Remember back to where was that word, Lynn? That it was in the tense that meant it was an act. It was a choice. Choice. It was an act of the will to do that. And so, now listen to this. 
For if these things are yours, and, and it, that word are yours, it denotes that which is actually exists in one possession. But here's the best one. It was used of property, indicating that one owned it and could dispose of it as he desired. In other words, I have it, but I could choose not to release it. They're yours. But you can choose to hold on to it and not dispose, not, not give it out. So he says, if these things are yours and abound more and more, increase more and more, you will neither be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love it. He's saying the more these qualities abound in us, the more we add to our faith these things, these Christ-likeness qualities, the more fruitful and productive we become. Now remember, he's saying you are partakers of the divine nature. So these qualities already reside in you, regardless of how you feel. We have a choice how we'll allow him to manifest them through us. Remember, we have a choice if we dispose of them or not, if we, if we share them or not, if we allow them to manifest them through us or not. But they're in us regardless of how we feel or not. It's just we control whether or not they'll be exposed. He says, they keep you from being barren and unfruitful or unproductive and fruitful. Unfruitful. I, I'm telling you, this is what I see all the time is Christians who are unproductive and unfruitful. Christians who are barren. They're not producing offspring. They're not. I, I, one of the best books I ever read in seminary was uh, Dawson Troutman's book called The Reproducers. And the whole principle was that we our goal in our Christian life should be to reproduce ourselves in another person. We should be finding unbelieving people and bringing them to Christ and then reproducing ourselves in them. I, 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 that's my goal. I really, I, I have very, 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 Dave will tell you, very little patience with the church as a whole. I'm not talking Grace Church, I'm talking the church as a whole. Because they have everything they need for life and godliness. Really quite content just to have it be a little social club. My ministry, I'm telling you, uh, right now, I'm ministering to a homosexual who I absolutely adore. That boy is coming to Christ. I, he is coming to Christ. His days are numbered. I'm praying for him. I love him to pieces. And he is coming to, he is coming to Christ. I'm going to reproduce myself in that boy. He is marked. He is marked. I'm telling you, he's marked. He'll be sitting here soon. He's marked. Because that's what we should be doing. We should be going out not saying, you know what, I really don't want this church to grow anymore. I kind of like what we have here. No! We're called to reproduce ourselves. To bring people into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But we're called to, we're called to be fruitful, not barren, not, not, not unproducing offspring. We're called to produce offspring. But some of us are happy to be unproductive and barren. He says, he who lacks these things are nearsighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sin. Nearsighted, I'm nearsighted. Anybody else nearsighted? I'm nearsighted. Nearsighted people can only see what's in front of their nose. 
No, it's not. I looked it up. If you look it up, it says, this is what it says. Can only see what's in front of his nose. Can only see up close and personal. It's the temporal. That's what it means in the Greek. Really challenging me. I always win these arguments all the time. But I can only see here. That's what Peter's saying here. When all we can see is our immediate needs, what I need, it's all about me, the tip of my nose. I can't see any further than that. My, my sights are temporal. They're not on the eternal. They're not on uh, the Lord is coming back. The birth pains have started. We need to get focused on the eternal. But Jill said to me, Rhea, I know that's why the Lord left me here. And, and it was okay that he took Stuart and left me behind because I am here because the birth pains have started and I have to get busy. She is 87 years old. Yeah. And she has to get busy. She spent her whole life preaching the gospel and she has to get busy because the birth pains have started. Come on. But see, we're so nearsighted. All we can see what's near, our needs, ourselves, us, not the eternal. We've forgotten that we were cleansed from our sins. He said, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never See, if we never add to our faith, we're going to be unproductive and ineffective, and we're going to stumble. I read a quote this week from Nigel McCullough, and he says, there's no point in praying for spiritual growth unless we do our best to live disciplined Christians. I pray all the time that the Lord would make me more like him, that the Lord would give me a glimpse of himself, that the Lord would clean me up. Don't live a disciplined life. Praying that the Lord matures me if I'm not willing to live a discipline. His divine power has given you everything you need, everything without exception that you need for life and for godliness. And it comes through the knowledge of him by which we understand that we have great and precious promises that when we hold on to them and stand on them, we become partakers in the divine nature and we escape the corruption of this world that, that's brought on by the lusts of our flesh. And now we can begin to add to our faith and make every effort to do so all of these beautiful Christ-like qualities so that we don't have to be un productive and unfruitful in our Christian walk. It's a beautiful passage, isn't it? It is a beautiful passage. So now, as you leave here tonight and, and, and you approach your week, I want you to be purposeful about adding to your faith. Not just be content to be saved and go into heaven. And Lord, I'm going to work on one of those qualities this week. Here's, I'm going to work on mastery. I'm just master passions my mind my fleshly desires which one are you going to work on just pick one don't like don't go overboard but make every effort it takes effort 
They don't want to be unproductive. Ask Mari and the team to come and just close out. And, but Father, I just thank you. And I thank you that you haven't left us as orphans, that you put your divine power inside of us to equip us, to empower us, give us life everything we need to live a godly life teach us this week about your great and precious promises teach us this week about knowing you better help us to know what we need to add to our place and so we can be more productive and we can be more faithful in Jesus name